Over the past year and a bit, the word normalize has been used on the internet to describe things that people wish would be more normal, more accepted, more true than they already are. And so you'd have phrases uh, like normalize apologizing to kids or normalize changing your mind after being presented new information. Uh, so some good ideas. It even got, you know, the meme world to hold this even. So you'd have people saying uh, more humorous things like, Normalize coughing in public again. Like I'm just choking on my water. Don't don't give me don't make me look suspicious over here, right? Like and and, and as with all trends, uh, it got turned in on itself. So normalize not using the word normalize, but in that vein of of normalizing things, here's here's the point of today, and and my hope really for the church, that we would normalize praying as Jesus taught every single day. In other words, the, the goal, the point of this talk is to pray the Lord's Prayer daily. Now, I, I realize that for some of us that might sound underwhelming. Like, like it's my fear that, that making this the goal, uh, that, that some of you will tune out. And maybe skepticism has has surfaced here. Like, and, and I think that's kind of justified. The if the Lord's Prayer is just some religious ritual, then oh yeah, I'm not really sure I even want that. If the Lord's Prayer is just some Christian relic, well, then I'm out. Because rituals can become rigid, and relics can be irrelevant. So, so here is my thought process about, about the subject today. Sometimes it's helpful to have an illustration or a word picture, a, a prop or an analogy to, to help a presentation be more interesting, engaging, uh, memorable, helpful. And so I, you know, I'm 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 kind of going through looking at all of this is and and to be honest, I kid you not, I I could not think of a single thing that fully expresses and describes the subject today. Like I had I had options. I I had ideas. Like I, I had thought of everything from bringing like a confetti cannon in here all the way to to packing a, a real parachute, pulling the cord and having it blow up here in the studio, but but nothing really satisfied for what I think really expresses the full meaning of today. See, it's it's one thing to explain the Lord's Prayer, and it's another thing altogether to experience the Lord's Prayer. To fully understand and appreciate this, we need, we need to enter into it and, and to shift from, from explanation to experience. So what all this time is going to move towards is exactly that. I want to set the table and, and kind of bring out dish after dish to describe the ingredients, the, the flavors, and the details about what I think Jesus wants us to see by giving us this prayer so that when we come to the experience of it at the end, it'll feel like a richer and more nourishing feast than we might have expected. Because honestly, that's what it's been for me in, in my own life. So, so here's the, the two big sections of, of our time. First, we're going to look at the why of the prayer. And then secondly, we're going to look at the what slash how of the prayer. So let's, let's start with the why. Why pray the Lord's Prayer? Why normalize this as part of our daily life? And I'm just going to give us one why for time's sake today. And I think it's, it's maybe the best why. Why pray this? Because it's the primary how-to given by Jesus. Like out of all the things we have recorded in, in the Gospels, out of every activity that, that the first followers were exposed to, only one is an instruction that came out of Jesus' first followers asking, how do we do this? Look at this scene from Luke chapter 11. 
Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Like, listen, listen in here. Look who is teaching us to pray. It's Jesus. Jesus himself, the Son of God. We have God himself telling us how to talk to him. As the Son, he, he knows. He knows what the Father desires. He knows what the Father wants. He knows how the Father works. And 1 John 5 says that this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Like, isn't it nice to know that, that we don't have to stress about what, what to say, about how to pray if we pray as Jesus taught? He gets prayer. He gets it from the inside because he, he has the, got the fullest understanding of the divine dimension of prayer. But he doesn't only have this. This, this version of the prayer we're going to be looking at today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. And remember that in this text, we don't, we don't have some obscure spiritual vibe coming down that Matthew is, is, is writing down. No, Matthew is standing there looking at a human being say these words audibly. He's looking at a man. He's looking at Jesus, fully God, yes, and fully man. A man is instructing us in how to pray. Maybe we forget. Maybe we forget that as fully man, he actually also completely understands the human experience from the inside out. And this is helpful to me because I don't typically want advice from people who don't understand what I'm going through. And neither do you. Like, we, we don't like suggestions from people who try to place something on things like our pain or our parenting or our projects, placing things on us that don't seem to fit. We, we resist solutions that don't understand the problem. But this is not what we find on this how-to in prayer. Read, read Hebrews 4 sometime. Jesus has the fullest understanding of both the divine and the human dimensions of praying. And when we see this, we have got to see, we have got to see that the Lord's Prayer is not an irrelevant or rigid relic. It's the best shot we have in prayer. I love what Sarah Maynard says in her helpful book on the Lord's Prayer. Listen to this. We can put the full weight of our prayer life upon it, and it can become the cornerstone that teaches us to pray, awakens us in prayer, draws us closer to God in intimacy and discipleship, and guides us into the most outstanding answers to prayer we could conceive. See, I wonder sometimes if we've made prayer too complicated. Like we have all these podcasts and books and maybe even YouTube videos about how to pray better. We, we have this talk even and, and, and you know, like good things, use, useful things. But, but I don't know how many books Jesus would sell on prayer, considering that his primary how-to could fit into a single tweet. Like I've checked. But don't, but don't mistake its, its size for its power. Don't let the length fool you. Compressed into each line is a whole world of meaning, hitting all dimensions of reality, providing hours of prayer material, and anyone can access it, but nobody can exhaust it. This is, this is honestly, this has been a great encouragement to me because even as a pastor, I don't always find prayer easy. 
Like I, I don't always have, I don't always have the motivation. I don't always have, truthfully, the attention span. I don't always have the words. And and man, even like thinking about the the, the pressures of adult life, I honestly don't even always have the faith. But rediscovering the Lord's Prayer has been of, of greater help than I would have guessed. So, so if you, if you are new to prayer or find prayer challenging, boring even, useless even, could I invite you to consider trusting the teacher of this prayer? Because it's the teacher to me that gives me the greatest why for praying the Lord's Prayer every day, for normalizing this rhythm. So what exactly is, is contained here then? Uh, what does this prayer mean and, and how do we pray it? And this is where we move into both the what and the how of Jesus' instruction on prayer. So Jesus likely taught this at multiple times and multiple places. I think that's true because we have two versions of it in the Gospels, one in Luke and one in Matthew. So if you look at Luke, it says, and he said to them, when you pray, say, and then in Matthew 6, the place we're going to go today, pray then like this. So if you follow Luke, you could pray literally these words. That's, that's a good idea. If you follow Matthew, where it's pray then like this, you could, you could take this as an outline or a skeleton or a framework for prayer. That, that also is good. And I think if we are to normalize praying it daily, we need to get it into the flow of our thoughts and then translate it into our circumstances. So take this outline and apply it to your life. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna show us a bit about how to do that as we examine Matthew 6, 9 to 13, line by line, setting the table for prayer. Each line could be, could be a message in and of itself because there's something in each line that Jesus thinks we need to both know and to pray every single day. So here we go, line by line. Pray then like this, starting with this phrase, our Father in heaven. This, this gives us an anchor point right from the start. This is not the prayer of some vague spirituality. This is not some prayer to a God generically. No, this is our Father in heaven. And I, and I realize that your experience of family may not make this a, a positive image. It might be disappointing or even negative. But keep in mind that Jesus isn't just pointing us to, to any father. He's pointing us to the father that he knows the Father that he trusts, the God of heaven, both enthroned above it all, but also very near to us. This prayer reminds us with the first line of our unshakable place in a relationship of love. And this is reinforced elsewhere, just, just a few other places from the New Testament. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. And the teacher of this prayer has made it possible for us to use this language of Father. Look at John 1. To all who did receive him, to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave, Jesus gave, the right to become children of God. One of the first instructions Jesus gives after he rises from the dead in John 20. Look, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. This is, this is his work. We didn't have to achieve this. He makes it possible. And one of the first things Jesus' followers receive after Jesus ascends to the Father, like he said, is the Holy Spirit. And it's this Spirit, as Romans 8 tells us, that brings about our adoption and enables us to call him Father. Do we understand this? 
Anything God could give us in response to prayer is actually less than what we, what we already have in accessing him in prayer. Ultimate security, ultimate acceptance, ultimate purpose, all found in something we don't need to earn or achieve. And it's acknowledged before we ask for anything at all. So, so try this. If this is all you take from our time today, just, just try this. Shift the first word of your prayers to Father. About 10 years ago, somebody asked me, how often do you use that term when, when, when talking to God, when referring to God? And I thought about it and I didn't have to think long because my response was, well, never. I never do. It's usually God or, or Lord or dear Jesus or something like that. And, and all accurate, all true, and all, all can be done. But there's something that shifted in me and something that can shift in you when we move to the language of Father. Father, try that. Try that the next time you go to pray. Try it for a while. Because look, there seems to be a special emphasis Jesus is pointing out here in his primary how to use that language. So from here, after this line, the Lord's Prayer has six requests, also called petitions. And I'm honestly kind of choked that we that we can't cover them at length here because uh, there, there's a ton that could be unpacked. But let's just make a, an observation of a few highlights of each. So the next line, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Kind of strange language. Like when's the last time you used the word hallowed in your everyday uh, speech? Uh, but but let's see what what we're what are we after here? What what are we asking? Well, God's name biblically is representative of His character and His nature. It represents who he is, what he's like. And hallowed is the state in which God's character and nature are, are seriously regarded as of central importance, as holy. So for God to, to answer this prayer for us would result in things being reordered in the proper and right way. And, and to me, as I look at where the world's at right now, and as I, as I think about people in my life, names even coming to mind right now, there is nothing, I think, more damaging than not understanding who God really is and what God is really like. It's one of the main things I've seen crush people who are disillusioned with Christianity and crush people who struggle to, to, to go to God in prayer. And, and it's why I've actually, it's been one of the main ways, this line has been one of the main ways I'm, I'm praying for those that I am burdened for who, who don't currently love, don't currently follow Jesus. For those who have experienced religious trauma or who have legitimate questions and, and, and skepticism about God, about his word, about church. And, 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 and I take comfort also in knowing that in this prayer, Jesus is not only just giving us access, he's giving us like a special permission and authority here in prayer. Let's, let's take a quick like nerd break to capture some of this. And this, this really helped me think through the Lord's Prayer in general, but also especially this, this phrase in it. In, in the original language, all of the verbs in this prayer, except for the one uh, around forgive and verse uh, down, down further down, are in the imperative mood in the Greek and the passive voice in the Greek, which, which you can't really see in, in our English Bibles. So it, it doesn't mean much to us. We don't obviously see that. But here's what we need to know. And I'm indebted to, to the work of Daryl Johnson on this, who's written a very helpful book on the Lord's Prayer, and, and he summarizes it better, better than any I know, but, but, I'll, but I'll take a crack at it. In the, in the imperative mood in the Greek is, is, is crazy. No, nobody would use that to address a superior because it's, it's the forcible tone of command. So do this, do that, go, stop, all of those things. Nobody would use that of a superior, and yet Jesus is saying, when you pray like this, that's, that's what you can do. This is the access I have given you. 
even though you're addressing a superior. And combined with that is, is the passive voice, which is this acknowledgement that we cannot do this. So I hope what we see here in the combination as we kind of pause and look at some of the, the technicality of this prayer is that we're coming humbly because we can't accomplish what we're asking for, but we're also coming boldly. We're coming boldly into God's presence because of the access Jesus has given us. So when we pray things like, hallowed be your name, it's like, God, treat your name, cause things to happen here and now so that you're seen as you actually are. You're seen in the right way. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it amazing that we can, we can talk like this? Like, can you see how relevant this is to pray in situations where, where there is a misunderstanding of what God is like? Father, cause your, cause your name to be hallowed. Like, Father, remove all the wrong ideas about you that exist in my house. Remove all the wrong ideas about you that exist in my school, my workplace. Re remove all of this. Give us a right understanding. Hallowed be your name. Let's move to the next line. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Biblically, the kingdom of God refers to the dynamic reality of God acting as the king. So it's a complete experience of his, of his rule and his blessing, but it's a reality that was broken and distorted when humanity rebelled against God earlier on in the story in history. So it disordered the once perfect world that God had created. So for us though, Jesus, is somebody that we acknowledge as the king, the king of the cosmos, and yet, although he's come in history, he's yet to come again in the future. God's new world, because of Jesus, is, is already present in some form, but it's not yet present in the form it will be one day when Jesus returns. So when we pray, your kingdom come, again, with that, that humble boldness, you know, bring your kingdom, we're asking that the, the blessing of the reign of God, the good and new order of existence would break into the present from the future. And this, this is why, for me, this is why this line is one of the most regular ways I'm praying for those right now who are feeling burned out or, or broken. One study I came across this week highlighted how during the pandemic, half of Canadians experienced some combination of debilitating stress, depression, or considered suicide or self-harm. Additionally, 40% of Canadians reported that their mental health has gotten worse since the pandemic began. The Mental Health Risk Index that was developed classified millennials and Gen Z as most likely to be at high risk. So I think of things like this prayer and I translate it into the dynamics of our culture right now. Father, I, Father, I'm thankful that there is a larger and bigger reality than the one that I am seeing right now. And I am asking, I'm asking for a fuller experience of it. To experience the, the kingdom like Romans 14 describes of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, Father, bring the experience of the kingdom like we see in Revelation 21, like a fullness of your presence, a, a restoration of all things and the removal of pain. Bring that. Can we see how relevant that might be to pray? But let's move on to the next petition. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please, please do not see this as a cliche, like if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this, this phrase, God's, God's will. What, what's going on here? We, we don't pray this 
from some fatalist position of, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyways. No, when Jesus teaches us to pray in this way, it's because we're partnering with the Holy Spirit to bring the heavenly reality, God's good purposes, to our lives, to our world, to the earthly reality. See, the this, this gets relevant for me when I start to think about the, the ways in which the church is viewed. Like the church is, is often accused for not, not doing enough. Like we don't do enough when it comes to, to, to homelessness, addiction, domestic violence, poverty, human trafficking, uh, in the, the indigenous community, people of color, uh, for the, the 2S LGBTQIA plus community, for, for the environment. We don't, we don't do enough. And, and honestly, if I'm honest, part, part of, I'm part of that, that voice at, at times. To, to me, it feels like there's, there's, there's such a rising amount of needs. Like there's, there's more people that need care than, than are able to give care. So, so what, do we, what do we do with all that? How will we give the, the world a, a clearer picture of what the church is all about? And I wonder, I've been wondering as I think of how Jesus teaches to pray, I wonder if we need to take prayer way more seriously to join God, to honestly believe that we are joining God and fulfilling his purposes to make things happen on earth as in heaven. See, it's, it's, not, it's, not just, it's not just a prayer. It's a reminder of what the Christian movement is meant to do and to be. Look at look, like the phrase right in the middle of this prayer, on earth as in heaven. It's, it's a great picture of what Jesus' mission was all about. You could actually take that phrase and apply it to any of any of these petitions in here. Like, like Lord, hallow your name on earth as in heaven. Your, your name is treated as important and, and it's experienced in all of its fullness. Your character and nature is, is, is fully understood in heaven. Make that be the experience here on earth. Make things happen here the way they happen there. If we normalize praying it daily, we're, we're not just, we're not only asking for the right things, we're rehearsing the right things. We're reminding ourselves of the right things. See this prayer as a summary of all that Christianity is about. Do we, do we see? Do we see how much a gift Jesus' how-to is here? But let's keep going. The next phrase, give us this day our daily bread. There's a wide variety of, of biblical ways that this petition can be prayed. Uh, food in general, obviously, yes, uh, but also other things that are necessary for functioning and, and thriving in the world. This thing includes things like the Word of God, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and the presence of Jesus himself, who's referred to in John 6 as the bread of life. And to me, it's also a reminder, a daily reminder, that, that like the Israelites who were, who were rescued from slavery in the book of Exodus and brought into relationship with God, but also had a journey to the promised land, a journey to a, to a future place of hope and fullness, that we're in a wilderness of sorts and that we, like they, need something daily to provide for us in the meantime. So we pray this, recognizing it's not just about my needs, it's about our needs. Give us today our daily bread. So look at look at the places as you think about applying this to your situation. Look at the places you feel empty. Look at the places that you feel needy each day. Look at the places that we corporately need God to provide for us, knowing that he's willing and capable to do so. The next phrase, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The word translated as forgiveness here in, in Matthew 6, 12 refers to, to a cancellation or a wiping the slate clean, like the erasing of a debt. 
So think of the, the think of it this way: we owe God our our belief and and our trust. So so we're in debt when we don't do things the right way, when we when we miss the mark, when we fall short of doing the things that that He says are good and and true. Uh, which is why we 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 need to pray this often. We don't often love God as we ought. We don't often love our neighbors as ourselves the way we ought. So so we we're regularly asking, daily acknowledging, Lord, I need I need to to sweep my heart clean. Of what I owe. And, and additionally, what this phrase is pointing out is that our relationship with God overlaps with our relationship with other people. That's why Jesus points out that the two things work together in this prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those indebted to us. When, when we don't forgive people, it's like we're demanding payment from them. We're, we're, we're holding them uh, hostage to this. But Jesus is teaching us not to, not to hold two opposite perspectives of forgiveness at the same time. To, to me, this is this has been recently uh, the, the the primary line of the prayer that that I've been praying almost like a reflex uh, throughout throughout the day. So it's like I, I pull this phrase out and I just kind of carry it with me because all, all throughout the day I, I kind of am, I'm noticing in myself I, I need to, to pray this way more more frequently than I want to admit. So it's like I, 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 a conversation I'm in takes a harsh turn. I'm walking away from it going, oh Lord, I'm holding something against people and now I'm, I'm in debt to you. I'm holding them indebted. Lord, would you forgive me as, as I forgive them? I see an offensive post on social media or somebody lets me down in some way uh, or I let God down in some way. It's like, wow, this, this could be just taken. Take, take this with you. Take this one phrase with you. Because that's, that's, that's sort of how it's been working for me recently. We, we need God's grace every day. And, and honestly, somebody needs ours too. And then looking at this last phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This one, this one appears tricky uh, uh, up front because, especially if we know if we know the fuller story of the Bible, if we especially know the Book of James, where it's like, are we asking God to do something that that He wouldn't do in the first place? Like He wouldn't lead us into temptation, so why are we praying that that, that He wouldn't? What is what is Jesus after here? Well, the word's primary meaning in the Greek, the, the word for temptation, the primary meaning is actually test. And these are experiences in life that we will have through which God can both prove and improve. Our, our, our character and our faith, for that matter. And the problem is, is that Christianity also acknowledges a spiritual realm where there are beings that are opposed to God and to his ways. So Satan, or the evil one, as we could pray through this prayer as well, uh, often tends to steal, to kill, to, to destroy. Then the situations uh, that God intends for our good, the evil one would intend for our Harm. So look, we're we're almost two years at the at this recording deep into the COVID nineteen pandemic, and and I'm wondering, you know, could it could it be that in in this as it is a bit of a time of testing, could it be that amidst the test there's also a temptation, the temptation to doubt or or to despair, you know, to to look at, at Christianity, to look at faith, to look to look at following Jesus, like is this is this whole thing a waste? Like has the church failed? Uh, do do I need to go somewhere else? To find comfort, to find to find hope, could that be the the pull we feel like when when things don't happen the way that we want, or in the way that we expect, we, we start to believe like, man, is the Father really good? Should these things really be happening to me? And this is why it's important that we see who's giving us this prayer. Remember, it's it's Jesus one who's already gone through more extreme testing than I'll ever face, than you'll ever face. Like, read Luke 4 sometime. Just like the Father did not abandon Jesus, 
in the wilderness when he was when he was alone and when he was hungry, just as he proclaimed who Jesus was, proclaiming his identity that was secure before Jesus was hungry and alone, so too God's word and God's presence remained when Jesus was hungry and alone. See, to me, this, this prayer is not becoming uh, hyper-focused on, on sin or on evil, nor living in, in an anxiety or a fear that we're going we're gonna to mess up. But it is a daily reminder that we're, that we're living, spiritually speaking, in a war zone. That there is a battle and that God is with us even when we feel the heat of that battle. God, lead us. Don't let us be carried away by our own desires, as James says, into temptation. Lead us away from that. Rescue us from evil, from the evil one. So look, we've just, we've just skimmed the surface. There's lots more here, but I hope as we've looked through this, this, this window, we've seen that the world of riches that exist, and if we pray this way every day, if this becomes a normal part of our rhythms, this will change how we live. For, for me, I, I've started praying this uh, on, on a 20-minute walk that I have from my house uh, to, to my office uh, most days when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm walking to work. So I've got that 20-minute that that, that time frame, and, and I've just started making that uh, a part of it. The last 10 months I've been doing this, and sometimes it'll, it won't take me very long. Sometimes I'll, I'll, just, I'll just pray literally these words, and it'll take two minutes. But sometimes, as it gets into the flow of my thinking, and, and I, start, I start praying through the phrases, I get stuck. Sometimes I'll get stuck on even one phrase, like our Father, and the recognition of all of what that means. Sometimes a phrase will trigger a bunch of, of categories or, or situations or people that I need to pray for, and, and then, then you see how it just starts to, to expand. And, and honestly, what felt maybe awkward at, at the start has become something that's been really working for me, something that I would never want to give up, something that I would want to pass on to the next generation, to pass on to my kids, something I wouldn't want them to lose and to be confident in. That as we pray this way, man, this is the best shot we have in, in, in shaping our lives and in shaping the world. Um, I, I wonder what would happen to us as a church if, if we prayed, as Jesus teaches, before we start the day. Like the first thing we do before, before we, we access a screen, before we go to have breakfast, before anything interacts with us, we are interacting with our Father in heaven, hitting all dimensions of life, getting all the past, present, and future encapsulated into this prayer, bringing this before him. Like you wake up and it's like our Father in heaven, and you're recognizing I'm connected to and loved by the God of the universe. Hallowed be your name. I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm headed into situations that need you to be seen accurately and experienced rightly. Your kingdom come. Well, what I experienced, Lord, I'm recognizing isn't all that there is. There's evil, but your rule and blessing is coming. Could, could you cause it to come more fully today? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, there are things happening that are wrong. So accomplish your good purposes today. Make, make all things happen today here in my life the way, the way they happen in heaven where your rule and blessing are completely enjoyed. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, would you provide all that I need to thrive today, especially in awareness of your presence. And forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Lord, there are things that I will do that will offend you, things I have done that have offended you, and there are wrongs that have been done to me that I'm holding against others. So I want to turn away from these before I start the day. I want, I want my heart swept clean of all that I'm holding against others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Lord, rescue me. I see, I, I, I'm going into the day, eyes wide open. Rescue me from all that would seek to pull me away from you and would harm my life. As Jesus teaches us to pray this way every day, I have to think that that would, that would shape our lives in such an abundant way. Because what God shows us to pray shows us what God wants us to have. So let's pray like this every day. I want, I want you to join me in praying this through thoughtfully. The words are on the screen. Just, just look at them. Think about how they might translate to your circumstance, how they might apply to the specific things in your life. Just, just look at these words. Move through line by line. Maybe you even just want to, want to pause the video and just stare at them for a moment. And then I would encourage you to, to pray them out loud with me, following along as we pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.